Will I still have a house in a month? Home is love. Affordable housing really fills a need. Home is hope. You're always grateful to have a roof over your head. Eden Housing is that hope. Welcome to the Affordable Housing Podcast, brought to you by Eden Housing. There are countless creative ways to address the affordable housing crisis, and California State Senator Bob Wykowski has successfully focused on eliminating barriers to the development of ADUs, accessory dwelling units. Hi, I'm Joanne Green, and on this episode of the Affordable Housing Podcast, brought to you by Eden Housing, we're speaking with Senator Bob Wykowski in his second term representing the 10th Senate District, which stretches from southern Alameda County into Santa Clara County. A bankruptcy attorney, Senator Wykowski, has helped hundreds of families and seniors persevere through economic hardship to keep their homes and live with dignity. It's really what it's all about. Senator, welcome to the Affordable Housing Podcast. Well, Joanne, thank you for having me today. Thanks to your efforts, California now has new laws that impact ADUs. Can you, for starters, describe what ADUs are? Well, uh, accessory dwelling units are the granny flats, the in-law units, the the um, backyard cottage. We purposefully changed the language that the state of California was using so that we could accessorize the mother house so that we were when we were talking about barriers and fees we're saying no this is this is the home that somebody has on their single family lot and this is an accessory to that so when you get into the numerous barriers that cities have uh, put up it was easier to get around it that way how can ADUs make a dent in this housing crisis well they're quick to build actually they don't cost they don't require a public subsidy you know we spend a lot of times trying to come up with big programs in the nonprofit sector and the affordable housing sector and I'm delighted to be the chairman of the budget subcommittee that hands out the cap and trade money so I like to remind the affordable housing types that we're giving $600 million from cap-and-trade this year alone for affordable housing. But they can be duplicated. They're almost invisible. They go in the backyards. There's probably a half a million of them that are unpermitted that already exist, and that didn't happen by chance. It happened because cities have great barriers, and people can actually go into their backyard and, and build something. If they, the homeowner can build them. They can have a professional union outfit build them. They can buy a kit that's ready to build. They can have one lifted into their backyard and plopped down. They're able to go into the existing neighborhoods that we have practically seamlessly. In some circles, ADUs have a bad rap, and I understand some of that's based on myth. What are some of the misunderstandings that are out there? Well, I think the biggest myth is that it's going to destroy the quality and the character of the neighborhood. I mean, this is a classic uh, NIMBY uh, uh, argument that we have, literally not in my backyard, and it is in somebody else's backyard. And it's that element, whatever that is, that people talk about that element of folks. And, you know, surprisingly, that, that before World War II, mother-in-law units and uh, secondary units were were uh, well-known. They were existed throughout. Even in San Lorenzo, which has got the first HOA, if you look at the original plot, they build those three-bedroom houses with an door to one of the bedrooms on the outside and actually in the actual plans that they when they sold them they said you know uh newly released soldier from the from the the service if you have an extra room and you want to rent it to another service person they would share a bathroom with you but they had an accent even in 1947 they were thinking about accessory uh dwelling units um 
The other, I guess another myth is that they, they're going to cost a, a bunch of money. And I think sometimes that's not a myth because the barriers that are placed by this, the cities and the counties are doing that. But you can really uh, remodel your home. One of the things we tried to do with the first piece of legislation was saying you have an absolute right homeowner to slice and dice your house however you want it. A lot of people, just because we lived through the 1980s, have much more home than they need. You know, they're sitting on 3,200, 3,300 square feet. The kids are gone. Now the kids maybe live outside the state, so the idea of having 35 people for Thanksgiving doesn't exist anymore. And, you know, from a uh, using the existing transportation and infrastructure that we have, they're just an efficient uh, way to build more housing and more available housing. So, um, you know, empowering that, that homeowner is what it's all about, and that's just a myth that the cities have tried to, you know, say it's not, it's not about them, it's about our character, so... From your perspective, is there a difference if people use them for rental properties versus, for instance, Airbnb or something like that? Absolutely not. It's, it's zero. I don't think it makes any, any difference. And I would like to see, you know, the cities, our state legislation leaves that question open for the cities to determine it. But I think that there's an opportunity for for more housing. The crisis is that we just don't have enough units around. And, you know, younger people, older people are looking at uh, 750 square feet. Once upon a time was a starter house for the, the greatest generation that came back from World War II. And now it's an ending house. <laughs> yeah. Now it's an ending house is saying maybe that's two bedroom, two bath works out. You've been a champion of ADUs for years. In September of 2016, you got a bill passed to revoke all ADU city-level ordinances and establish a new baseline criteria for approval. Tell us why that was so important. Well, again, I, as I intimated in the, in the opening, we redefined accessory dwelling units, and we said, wait, you have a single-family house. It's the homeowner who has the power uh, to do it. So, you know, we we knew that excessive parking requirements by cities were killing it. They would, they would require that you take, if you converted your garage, you had to create another garage with another driveway that was just impractical. So we said, if you live within a half mile of transit, if your little town has one bus that comes in and you're within a half mile of that transit stop, you don't need to provide any new parking with the uh, conversion of the ADU. We also gave everybody an absolute right to convert any existing structure. So again, if you want to take your back bedroom and convert that to an ADU or a standalone parking or your garage, you know, a lot of the illegal or the undocumented or unpermitted uh, ADUs are garage conversions, which are, you know, 400 square feet. So those were the largest barriers, and what you saw in 2017 is a blossoming of ADU permits, and a lot of people, and I'm glad that we have the podcast, really don't understand what we're talking about when we say ADUs. They want to they wanna build something, but they don't understand that process, and it's a little daunting to go to your city uh, planning department with a idea or plans to build an ADU. So we saw like city of Los Angeles now is, is getting about 400 permits per month applications that are coming in and they had something like, you know, in a year, 110 or something like that. And some cities are really 
doing a wonderful job. San Diego, San Jose, Oakland are really leading the way with making it easy. Encinitas, of all cities, and down in San Diego, has got plans, pre-approved plans that they're allowing people to take this plan off the website, and they will they will approve it over the over the counter the the next day. So you know, I, we get we get the criticism about one size fits all. That that some people will, will say that, that, but you know, we let the cities still control the design of how how it looks you know the challenge with it to be quite frank uh, joanna said you know some suburban homes built in the 1980s that have sort of wood concrete stucco look why would you want to duplicate that with a little adu in your backyard i mean that visually it wasn't that nice but that's the story that's the world that we live in so what's next in your continuing efforts? I understand that SB 13 would really make a difference if it passes. How would SB 13 promote the creation of ADUs? Well, we still have a lot of barriers uh, that um, need to be conquered. And I guess the biggest one is uh, developer impact fees. You know, when you develop a house, you pay an impact fee for the impact on the the parks and the police and fire and all that. And everybody who has a existing single family home once upon a time if they were the original owner whoever the owner is paid that impact fee what cities and counties have done is disingenuously have required brand new impact fee when you put on the second unit because they say well it's a different unit so by changing it to accessory units we're saying no i have the original unit there so we say under sb 13 if you have a a unit that's 750 square feet or less there's no impact fee that you have to pay. If you're above 750, then you would pay 25% of what the school or the fire department or the, the house is. The other is an amnesty program. We have half a million units right now that are unpermitted. So we give them five years to, to come in. And this is a big challenge because there's a regional housing needs assessment, RENA is the initials that we use. And every city has to develop a certain amount of affordable housing each five years. What we're doing is we're saying immediately all these bootleg units that exist in your city, you can count towards your next batch. So that's my little carrot in there for this amnesty program and give uh, homeowners doing it. The other is home ownership. You know, if you have an apartment complex or a fourplex or a commercial building, you're not required to live in the unit. Uh, a lot of cities are passing home ownership responsibilities. They're saying you, you can only have an ADU if you live in either the ADU or the, or the unit. And that's just crazy. That's just, again, it's another barrier to put people in or to stop folks. And I'm a bankruptcy attorney, as you indicated, and all the lost properties that people have from foreclosures that have been bought by developers or people develop, that's already happened. That's not, it's not, you know, they already lost your house in 2007, 2008. So if somebody owns a house and they've got some money and they want to put an ADU there and fix up the, fix up the house, why not? Why would you not? If we're, if the goal is to have more housing to deal with the crisis, that's it. And finally, the last bit that's in SB 13 is a little bit of muscle to the housing and community development. That's the state uh, agency that has control here uh, in the housing field. What we find, found out is we passed SB 1069 in 2016. It said that if your, if your local ordinance was not in compliance with 1069, then it was void. Not voidable, void. The whole thing got knocked out. Well, since then, so you got 2017, 18, this is 19, two and a half years, just over 200 cities out of 492 have passed 
new accessory dwelling unit ordinances. So that means that 290 have not done anything. Now, some of them are complying with state law, Los Angeles being the best example, but a whole bunch of them are just flaunting what the state law is that said you have to build these. You can't enforce fire sprinklers. That was another thing that we did. If, if you didn't need fire sprinklers in the in the house with an addition, then you couldn't put fire require fire sprinklers in the ADU. So what this says is that you got to send your ordinance to the housing community development and they got to okay it to say that it's in compliance. And if they don't, and they don't, then they can issue permits after 60 days because we're changing the ministerial period for issuing the per- the permits for ADUs to 60 days. So the attorney general, if need be, will be issuing housing permits in these in these areas where people aren't doing it. So those are some of the obstacles. And is there a way for our listeners to help or lend support that would be of any value? Yeah, I mean, it's we've got a pretty big vote. I think it was 34 to 2 that passed the Senate, but we have, we're going to the local government uh, committee, which is where, where we uh, got tangled up last year. We had a, a bill, SB 831, and it got stopped. So if anybody who has any contact with, with the members of the Assembly Local Government Committee needs to express their support for the bill and a need, and, and need to say these are basic tenants for breaking down these barriers. I mean, we need your support. Sounds like you're confident, though, that it'll pass. Well, you still got to get through the committee. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm careful. I've skinnied up the bill. I mean, I've taken out uh, other obstacles like floor area ratio. You know, a lot of cities have floor area ratios or they have setback requirements that, that on the lot or they have minimum lot size. I mean, Pasadena just passed an ordinance that sets a minimum lot size of 10,000 square feet. Most most suburban lots are 50 by 100 feet. That's 5,000. So you would have a double lot, and you could put an accessory unit on it. Well, you could put a second house on it. So that's just one of those. You, you, you say, here's a city that is just thumbing their nose at the state law and the crisis, the housing crisis. So those are other, you know, other barriers that still exist, um, you know, because you have, I mean, think about it. You've got an 800-square-foot house in Berkeley on a 5,500 square foot lot, too small, a, a smaller size, and the Berkeley ordinance says you can't build an uh, addition or uh, an ADU that's more than 50% the size of your house. Well, if you got 3,000 square foot house, that sounds fine, but at 800, you're stuck at 400, and you got enough room there on the, on the uh, location, so those are some other barriers. We appreciate what you're doing, Senator Bob Wykowski. Thanks so much for your service and for prioritizing the need for more affordable housing in California by making it easier for homeowners to develop ADUs. Thanks. Thank you. Bob Wykowski represents the 10th District in the California State Senate. To hear more episodes of the Affordable Housing Podcast, please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or visit us at edenhousing.org. 